Welcome to the Good Fight Radio Show, a program dedicated to bringing you vital and uncompromised truths that you won't hear in the mainstream media, discussing contemporary issues in light of the Bible and how these issues relate to family, culture, and the church. The heart of this show is to glorify Jesus Christ and expose the works of darkness as he is commanded in Ephesians 5.11. Now here's your host, Good Fight Ministries' own Chad Davidson. Regardless of the group, whether Islam, Jehovah's Witness, or Mormons, the deity of Christ seems to be one of the first topics you're going to be discussing if you get engaged with sharing the gospel. So to discuss this very important topic is none other than the president and founder of Good Fight Ministries and pastor of Blessed Hope Chapel in Simi Valley, California, Pastor Joe Schimmel. Chad, we were just talking about uh, before the show started about how clear uh, the scriptures are on the fact that Jesus is God. I mean, that's like, I mean, if, if I were you asked me, what are some of the clearest things that the Bible teaches? I would definitely say that Jesus Christ is God. I mean, that's so clear. So it breaks my heart, but we realize it's not, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, the Bible says, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places, and that cults, world religions, those who are led astray, the Bible says there'd be doctrines of demons that would lead people astray in the end times, and they preach a different gospel, Galatians 1, 6, they preach a different Jesus, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. So it shouldn't shock us, even though it's so clear that so many false teachers deny the deity of Christ. And those same teachers seem to exalt their groups, but diminish Jesus. Yeah, that is really true. And, and guys, we're going to be answering that question. Is Jesus truly God? And do the scriptures actually teach that? And as we get into that, make sure you guys check out all the episodes we have on here by subscribing to the Good Fight Ministries channel. And also click like on this video as well, because more and more people will see it. Because this is an important thing, Joe. I think it was Dr. Walter Martin who basically summarized a cult and what was the cult? They would always mess with the deity of Christ. Yeah. And it is such an important doctrine. It's a, such an important topic of discussion because when we minimize who the one true God is and we're minimizing who the Son is, that is a big, big issue that Amen. we need to really tackle right away. We spent a couple years or so on Highland and Sunset in Hollywood. Uh, we drive about an hour from here. And uh, we go over there, and uh, our worship leader, Doug Stabelton, who's a big part of Fight the Good Fight Ministries, uh, we'd meet at his house, and we'd worship the Lord for you know, a few hours, song and praise. And, it, and then we'd go out there and hit the streets. And we, I wrote a track back then called, Who Do Men Say That I Am? And the first, I think it was like 20 different cultic groups that I quote you know, from beginning to end, just little tiny blurbs of each one denying that Jesus Christ is God. Then the rest of the track was, and this was probably, we used to have that out like 30 years ago or so, uh, given away my age here, is uh, then we would, uh, the emphasis was the fact that he is God. And, you know, Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. And we'll talk about that maybe a little bit. But he also said, if you do not believe that I am, ego Amy, you will die in your sins. So that, that it's just not I am in the English, in the, it's from the Greek ego Amy. And he says, if you don't believe that I am, which is a divine name of God, bef you know, before Abraham was, he says, I am. Uh, and of course, he's referring to the burning bush when God revealed himself as I am that I am uh, in chapter 3, verse 14 of Exodus, uh, when he revealed himself to Moses as the I am that I am. The Septuagint, part of that saying is ego amy, and we see a set ego amy, especially in the 
book of Isaiah over and over again that he says, I tell the end from the beginning, that's the way you know that I am. Well, Jesus claimed to be the God of the Old Testament. If you don't believe that and you have a different Jesus, you will die in your sins. That's serious stuff, Chad. Yeah, and I know we're going to be doing a series on when the different cults come knocking. And one of the things I typically will end with, specifically with Jehovah's Witness a lot of times, is that John 8, 24 yeah. declaration that, that you will die in your sins if you do not believe that he truly is the I am. And so the that same is chapter really is before important. Abraham was I am, by yep, the way, right? Yep, just a little bit later there in uh, 858. And it is so important to get this one right. One, to understand when it comes to salvation. I mean, just from the get-go, uh, you know, even the Seventh-day Adventists have Jesus as the Archangel Michael as well. And you kind of look at this, there's always these misinterpretations. That it's very, very dangerous when we see not only is it so clear biblically, but then it gets so clear too when you see how church history, you know, kind of ferreted out it, it, right after um right after the apostles had passed and so forth. Yeah, and in fairness to Adventists, even though we have issues with them teaching you've got to keep the law or you have the mark of the beast and so forth, they do believe in the Trinity that Jesus is God, but they also say he manifests himself as the Archangel Michael, which does bring some confusion in the picture. Especially since that's what JWs do by denying his deity. Yeah, exactly. And the main issue there would obviously be those who would deny Jesus as God. And that's what we want to deal with here, not if somebody misinterprets uh, the Archangel Michael as, as Jesus in the Old Testament. But the main point here are for those groups that are cults, and we do believe this is an area where it is a not just flammable heresy, but a damnable heresy yeah. to not get the deity of Christ Absolutely. right when he is not given his proper place in the triune Godhead. And so it's really important because it does go away. It does mess up the atonement. I mean, it really does. It messes up what the Bible says at, in the atonement in John or I'm sorry, John 20, 28, or Acts 20, 28, either way, we got Jesus being God, but in Acts 20, 28, getting away from the atonement, recognizing that God purchased the church with his own blood. So yeah, this how is much really would that cheapen what Jesus did on the cross if he's just an angel dying for us? It's an ridiculous. angel or just a really good prophet. You know, yeah. you got the Christadelphians as well and right. so forth. So we could go on and yeah. on about these lists, but instead of going on and on about what the cults believe, let's just talk about yeah, the actual article. Let's talk the about article, the, the authentic article of Scripture and what does Scripture say regarding this. So we're going to go through five points, Joe, five points on ways that we can know from Scripture that Jesus, without a doubt, is truly God. And the first point, I guess this one's going to be uh, pretty good because <laughs> the first point is the fact that Jesus is called God. God. Yeah, that makes yeah and Chad, simple. any one of these five points— uh, would be would suffice to show that Jesus is God. One or two of them just makes it even more obvious. But five, man, it's a slam dunk, you know. Uh, first of all, John one one. Beginning of the Gospel of John, his thesis: In the beginning was the Word, Chad, and the Word was with God. And we know the Word there is Jesus because in verse fourteen it says the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So since the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the same was in the beginning with God. And then in John chapter 20, verse 28, as John brings us to the end of the gospel there and and shows throughout that Jesus is God because that's his thesis, Uh, you have Thomas, the one who's doubting. And remember, Jesus said uh, when he resurrected, this is something that some people miss when and they don't tie this to the scripture, is in John 18, uh, he has already told his disciples that, you know, uh, that he'd rise again. And then he'd say, he's telling these things ahead of time. He says, like, I'm going to tell him, I'm going to be betrayed. And when this happens, you're going to see uh, that I am. 
And that's exactly what God did in Isaiah. I'm telling you the end from the beginning so you can see that I'm the one true God. Jesus says, I'm telling you the end. I'm telling you what's going to happen to me. And you're going to understand that I am. And of course, uh, Judas betrays him, just like Jesus said. And they ask, are you the Christ? He says, I am. <laughs> they all fall down, man. They just fall down. It's an expression of his deity. But then in John 20, 28, when he's risen from the dead, Thomas uh, says, my Lord and my God. Because first he's doubting, we won't go through the whole scenario because we got a lot of scriptures to go through. But he, he's freaked out. And Thomas just says, my Lord and my God. And in the Greek, it's a lot stronger than that. You can just look it up in, in a linear. He says, the Lord of me and the God of me. And Jesus doesn't correct him, Chad. He doesn't say, wait, whoa, Thomas, man. Don't be calling me God. Uh, now, for Jesus not to correct him, if Jesus was not God, Chad, that would be blasphemy. I mean, remember Herod was called God in the book of Acts. What happened to him? You know, yeah. he, got, he got struck dead by God and eaten by worms, <laughs> yeah. man. But Jesus doesn't correct him because that's the point of the gospel of John in Philippians 2, 5, uh, 4, 5, and 6. Let this mind be in you, Paul says, which was also in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the very form of God. Now, that can only be a reference to the one God because in Isaiah 43, 10, the favorite verse of Jehovah's Witnesses, where they get their namesake from that verse, says, you are my witness, saith the Lord, my servant who I have chosen. Before me, there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. Well, guess what? There's only one God. None, none were formed before or after him. There's no, he's the eternal God. But here we read in Philippians 2, 4, 5, and 6, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, although he existed in the very form of God, did not consider equality with God, something to be held on to you, but it says he became a man, died on the cross. The NIV is really powerful there. It says he, exact, he existed in the very nature of God. Uh, I love Romans chapter 9, verses 4 and 5. And it says, to them belong the patriarchs, meaning to the Jews, and from their race, according to the flesh, is the Christ who is God over all. Blessed forever. Amen. And I love Hebrews 1, verse 1. It says, uh, and this is another book like John 1. It's showing the ex exalting Jesus, man. And it's exalting him above the angels, above Moses, above the high priest Aaron, above everyone and everything. And it says he's the exact representation of the Father's person. The idea there is an icon. You take the emperor's image and you would be imprinted onto, for instance, a coin. Well, Jesus is the exact representation of the Father's person. That goes on to say in chapter 1 that in verse 8, the Father says to Jesus, Thy throne, O God. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1, Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have received a faith of the same kind of ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. How about Titus 2.13? Looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus. And by the way, God says, you know, there's not any other Savior. In Acts 20, Chad, you referenced already that Jesus gave himself, that God purchased a church with his own blood. Uh, and on and on and on. Uh, Pliny, uh, the elder uh, a leader in among the Romans that hated Christians, he talked about how Jesus was considered God uh, by by his by early Christians. We're talking, you know, second century, uh, not long from when the church had started. So, uh, Chad, many many places, right? I mean, we see it over and over again. That, and we're just scratching the surface because we want to hit five points, and this is just one point. He's called God. We can show you equally as many verses as we've already gone through where Jesus is called God. No, Amen. And guys, I know this is one of those episodes we're going to go really fast. So this might be one where you. Jot these down or highlight them in your Bible, whatever it may be. I remember I used to highlight things differently for deity of Christ, yeah. and deity for the Holy Spirit, and so forth. So this might be a great opportunity for you to do that if you're one of those people that likes to write in their Bibles like uh, like I do. <laughs> but uh, number two, Joe, 
the fact that Jesus himself actually is the creator. That's another one that's equally as clear in Scripture. Uh, Ephesians, you know, through them all things were made. Uh, uh, Colossians chapter 1, you know, he created everything uh, and so forth. Uh, again, you know, we read in Isaiah chapter 24, or 44, verse 24, the Lord God says this, I am the Lord who made all things, who stretched out the heavens, this is the key, by myself. He's saying, I created, the angels didn't help me, I created everything by myself. So Chad, that begs the question, I mean, when he says, let us let us make man in our image, obviously he's not talking about the angels, he's saying he did it by himself. But we see that there's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That brings us back to John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, the same was the beginning with God, verse 2, but then verse 3. Uh, all things were made by Him. And it says, nothing came into being but by Him, which just destroys the cults, Chad, because all the cults pretty much teach that Jesus was created in some way, right? But John 1 not only says He's God, but that everything was made by Him and nothing came into being but by Him. And you know what? The New World Translation, which I call it the New World Abomination, that's the Job Witness Translation, they actually, interestingly enough, translate this verse incredibly strongly with regard to what Jesus made. Listen to the New World Translation, Jehovah's Witness Translation. All things came into existence through him, and apart from him, not even one thing came into existence. Wow. Apart from Jesus, not even one thing came into existence. Yet they want us to believe that he was created, yet they would consider him something that came into existence. But here they admit, and they translate the Greek accurately, that nothing came into existence but by him creating it. Therefore, Jesus can't be the creation and also the creator, you see. So it just destroys the Watchtower's doctrines. And as far as uh, Jesus being the creator, listen to Hebrews chapter 1, verses 8 through 10. But to the Son, he says, this is speaking of the Son, contrasting with the angels, by the way, to which of the angels did he ever says it says right before this? And the Jehovah's Witnesses want us to believe he's just an angel, right? And it says, but to the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The righteous scepter is the scepter of his kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your companions. And you, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of your hands. So the Father says, your throne, O God, and says, calls him Lord. He's called Yahweh, and we're told that you know, uh, in the beginning, you laid the foundation of the earth and the heavens are the works of your hands. And a lot of times Christians will go to John 1, 1 chat or they go to other verses to prove that Jesus is God. Uh, I like to go to verses that Jehovah's Witnesses aren't trained to try to refute. And most Christians are unaware of this verse. I've been using it for years. I just think it's a great verse. I'm like, why don't more people use it? Especially in light of what we just read in Hebrews 1, that he's called God, that he created everything. It goes on to extol the virtues of him being the creator and sustainer of all things. Yet in Hebrews chapter 3, Hebrews 1, he's exalted above the angels. Hebrews chapter 3, he's exalted above, above, above Moses, which is a really big uh, deal for a book called Hebrews, written to Jewish believers who are being seduced to go back to Judaism and back to the animal sacrifices. Listen to what it says when Jesus is contrasted with Moses. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, he's the subject here, the apostle and high priest of our confession. He was faithful to him who anointed him, as Moses also was in all his house. Here comes the contrast. For he has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses. In what way? He explains that. By just so much as the builder of the house has more honor than the house. Moses like a house? Jesus is like the builder of the house. And verse four is the key verse. 
For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Catch that? I mean, Chad, that just destroys Islam, for instance. It destroys the, the lies of Muhammad and the lies of the Watchtower and Mormonism and so forth. Because even Mormons, they teach that Jesus was just the spirit brother of Lucifer. He's not the creator of all things. He came into being, had a spirit existence, then he became a man, and that's how he became a savior and so forth. So, so Chad, we have Jesus being called God, and we have him as the only creator because God says he created everything by himself. So that has to be Jesus because Jesus created all things, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, triune Godhead. Okay, Joe, so for this next point, point number three, these are the Old Testament titles that are applied to Jesus that speak to God and God alone. Yeah, divine titles that can only be used of God that are ascribed to Jesus throughout the New Testament. Really mind-boggling. And Chad, I've got just a couple, two or three zingers because you and I both know any one of these five points, we could do a whole show on any one of these five points. But Chad, since it's Christmas time, uh, what are some of the titles in Isaiah 7, Isaiah 9? I'm going to bounce this off of you because we're covering so much ground so quick. I want to hear from you, man. Isaiah 7, 9, what would be some divine titles that uh, would be exclusively for God, but through use of Jesus? Well, yeah, first you have Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Obviously, the prophecy that is said to Ahaz that is from as high as heaven to as low as Sheol, or as high as heaven to as low as hell. And one of the things he pointed to him, there was a near and far fulfillment of that, a near fulfillment that the very same people that Ahaz were going to be trying to pay off, you know, the the king of Assyria, to try to kill them off. He says, you know what? Uh, They're going to be dead before... God gives them way out. (laughs) That's right. And they're going to be dead before this child right here reaches the age of accountability, basically. But there was going to be something way, way bigger going on there for the title to have God with us, one that brings judgment to those who are against him, but one that brings salvation to those who are for him. So not only do you have the title of Emmanuel, God with us, which is applied to Jesus by the angel Gabriel, clearly in the New Testament. But then when you get to Isaiah chapter 9, and it can't just be talking about Hezekiah, especially there's times where Hezekiah falls, you know, there's some faults, because the things that are called this child in Isaiah 9, Abiyad, El Gabor, the Hebrew words that are used there, the everlasting father, the prince of peace, the wonderful counselor, mighty God, these applications can only be given to what? They're given to the Son. They're clearly quoted in the New Testament as well to apply to him. And we see it so abundantly clear in the New Testament, applying those texts to Jesus from the Old Testament. Amen. Amen, bro. Uh, those titles, and we just dealt with before Abraham was, I am, ego, Amy, Amen. Uh, used of Jesus. And obviously it's used of his deity because they wanted to kill Jesus because he's claiming to be the I am, the ego, Amy. Uh, Zechariah chapter 2. 12, uh, this one's awesome because it's obviously Yahweh speaking. And it says, the bird of the word, this is the first two verses, the bird of the word of the Lord concerning Israel, thus declares the Lord, Yahweh, okay, who stretches out the heavens, who lays the foundation of the earth, who forms the spirit of man with him. He's the creator, right? Uh, He says in verse 10, I speak, it's Yahweh speaking, I will pour out on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace and supplication so that they will look on me whom they have pierced. This is Yahweh saying, they will look on me, who they have pierced. Amen. Uh, and they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son. And they will weep bitterly over him, like the bitter weeping over a firstborn. And Chad, not just once, but twice this is applied to Jesus. In the New Testament, when he's hanging on the cross, yeah. after he's been pierced, it says, and again, John writes, another scripture says, they will look on him whom they have pierced. 
By the way, John, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. So he's emphasizing again, this is Yahweh. And then, of course, Chad in Revelation chapter 1, verse 7, his second coming. And it says in chapter 1, verse 7, Behold, of Jesus, he comes with the clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him. And all kings of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. And then it goes on to say in the very next verse, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And the first and last says the Lord. Uh, we see that Jesus is definitely God. He's the one that is being uh, spoken of as being pierced there. Uh, another one, Chad, I think that's really just gnarly. Uh, Isaiah chapter 45, verses 22 and 23. And Paul definitely takes this and applies this statement of Yahweh that can only be used of Yahweh to Jesus. We read, turn to me and be saved. All the ends of the earth. By the way, in Isaiah, you know, that's where he says, I'm the only Savior, by the way. But Jesus is the Savior over and over again. Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. Now, this is what's interesting to me is a lot of these statements where God refers to him being the one true God are statements that are used of Jesus. That's what some of the strength of these arguments is. He says, for I am God, there is no other. By myself I have sworn. From my mouth has gone out unrighteousness, a word that shall not return. To me, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall swear allegiance. So every tongue is going to confess that he's God, right? He's Yahweh. Every knee is going to bow. Yet Paul writes in Philippians chapter 2, right after he says, uh, let this mind be you that was also in Christ Jesus, although he exists in the very form of God, or the very nature of God, uh, and so forth, and he became a man. He goes on to say of Jesus, so at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And kurios, Chad, as you know there, is equivalent to Yahweh of the Old Testament over and over again. God's called Yahweh in the New Testament. That's translated kurios often to the glory of God, the Father. And then, of course, Chad, we already dealt with briefly, uh, right after it says, uh, Behold, he comes with the clouds, and every eye shall see him, and the shall appear, so all kindred shall wail, because even so, amen. He goes on to say, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, right? Well, in verses 17 and 18, that it just blows me away, because some will still want to say, well, Jesus really isn't the first, last there, and so forth. And But... We know that the first last is God because Isaiah 44, 6 in the Old Testament, he says, you know, uh, thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel and his redeemed, the Lord of hosts, uh, beside me there is no God. And he says, I am the first and I am the last. And he's, I'm, there's no God besides me. I'm the first and last. Yet in Revelation chapter 1, verses 17 and 14, after they see the one whom they pierced, or John mentions that, I should say, uh, that's where John falls down because he sees Jesus' face shines like the noonday sun. He falls down like a dead man. And Jesus, John says, Jesus put his right hand upon him and said, fear not, I am the first and the last. Well, how do you know it's talking about Jesus there? Because the very next words, I am he that liveth and was dead. That's not the Father. That's not the Holy Spirit. They didn't die for our sins. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And then we see that through the letters of the churches. He describes himself as the first and the last as well. And chat at the end of the book, like a bookmark, this is so fitting for the gospel of John. And Revelation to start with his deity to end with his deity. It's just it's just beautiful. The symmetry, theological symmetry is just beautiful. Uh, we read the same thing is in Revelation chapter 22, verses uh, 12 and 13. You know, Jesus talks about being the root of David there. He talks about, I come quickly, verse 12, and my reward is with me. Everybody knows that's Jesus. Even JW's limit, that's Jesus. And then right after that, he says, I'm the Alpha Omega, Omega. I'm, you know, the beginning, I'm the first and the last. Again, he says it. And we know in Revelation 1, in Revelation 22, like bookends, both times he's the first and last. He's the Alpha and Omega, the beginning. And that can only apply to God. Amen. That's just clear. Yeah. And uh, Romans chapter 10, I mean, it's one of those it's one of those hallmark verses for yeah. salvation. 
All who call on the name of Yahweh shall be saved. In the Old Testament. Oh, that's Joel 2.32, yeah, actually. Applied to Jesus. Um, in John 10.9.10. In, in uh, Romans. Oh, verse 13. Ch- yeah. Romans 10.9.10 10 and verse 13. Yep. And uh, just just powerful. And all also, I want to add this one before we get to the last one. In 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 6, we have Paul actually using the Shema Israel from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. And you have Paul describing alongside the Father, Jesus Christ as well, right there when combating all these idols Here and false Here is the Lord, that God is one God. That's exactly right. And you have Paul applying that as well to Jesus. It's very, very important. Okay, Joe. So let's. Uh, I gotta. We gotta start hitting the turbo a little here. I think we're we're getting running in on time. Okay. So another one, Joe. He made himself equal to the Father. Yeah, we'll hit this one quick because we definitely don't want to skip the last one either. But the fact that he made himself equal to the Father is so amazing. And we know John in John chapter ten, verse thirty. You know, he says the Father and I are one. The two of them are one, right? Well, in verse thirty-one, it's clear that he was claimed to be God because it says the Jews picked up stones again to stone him. Why? Why would they pick up stones and stones him, Chad, after he said, Father, I won? And it says, because they, I mean, they specifically say, for blasphemy, because you being a man, this is verse 33, for you being a man, make yourself God. And another place it says in John that they they, they were against him, they wanted to kill him because they said, the Holy Spirit says this, not because they just said it. Someone said, J.W.'s, oh, he just said that. Holy Spirit says in, in the Gospel of John, because he was making himself equal with God. Okay, and then one more example, John 5, 22 and 23. Jesus says, furthermore, the father judges no one, but has appointed all judgment to the son so that all may honor the son just as they honor the father. Whoever does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. If you're refusing to honor Jesus the way you honor the father, you're not really honoring the father. Now, if Chad said, you need to honor us like you honor the father, that would be blasphemy, but not for Jesus because he's God. Amen, and that same Jesus where Obviously, in Isaiah, it says that he shares his glory with no other. Jesus says in John 17, Father, glorify me with the glory we had before the world was, was created. It's so so important. All right, Joe, last one here. Uh, worship. Worship, yes. Jesus is worshiped. And, yeah. and Chad, perfect segue, bro. Yeah. Because you just taught, we talked about honoring the Father, honoring Jesus, you honor the Father. You mentioned that he won't share his glory with anyone, but Jesus glorify me, Father, with the glory that I had in the beginning before the world was created in John chapter 17. Well, guess what? Talk about receiving glory, man. Well, that doesn't mean actually being worshipped. Oh, yeah, it does. Because the scriptures are very clear that Jesus is worshipped. And the scriptures are warned that you should not worship anyone but God. In fact, we know throughout scripture when uh, people fall down before, Angels, say, the apostles and, even. And you the know, they rip yeah. in book acts, they rip their shirts, you know. We're just men, don't worship us. Or angels. Or when you see Jesus being told by Satan, you know, bow down and worship me. And I'll give you all the kings of the world. And Jesus says, Get behind me, Satan. is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and serve him only. So Jesus makes it very clear you only serve God. In Revelation 19 and in Revelation chapter 22, two different times you have an angel, you have an elder bowing down. I'm sorry, you have John bowing down twice before an elder, an angel. And both times he's told, don't do that. One time he says, don't, you know, worship only God. So it's really clear in scripture that you're only supposed to worship God. Yet, Chad, what's interesting is in Matthew chapter 28, several other passages throughout the Gospels, Jesus is worshiped. He never rejects it. In fact, we are told in Scripture, and this is very, very important, uh, in Hebrews chapter uh, 1, verse 6, God commands the angels of God. He says, and again, when God brings his firstborn of the world, he says to the angels, he says, let all God's angels worship him. So it's wrong to worship anyone but God, but God himself commands the angels 
to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. And lastly, we'll end with this. In Revelation chapter 5, the verses 11 through 14, man, Jesus is the only one found worthy to open the scroll in all the heavens, and everyone ends up this great crescendo worship. John says, Then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, and the living creatures, and the elders, and the number of them was myriads of myriads, and uh, and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power, and riches, and wisdom, and might, and honor, and glory, and blessing, and every created thing which is in heaven, and on earth, and under the earth, and on the sea, and all things in them, I heard saying, To him who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. And the four living creatures kept saying, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. Doesn't get clearer than that. Chad, I think within about maybe about a half hour time, we covered more scripture on Jesus being God and proved it beyond most half hours you'll probably ever find on the earth. So (laughs) there's a lot of evidence we just gave you. We love you guys. We just want you to know that Jesus is God. If you don't believe that he is the great I am, you'll die in your sins. Get right. He loves you. And he wanted you to hear this so you can worship Jesus and give him the honor that you give the Father. Amen. God bless you guys. You've been listening to the Good Fight Radio Show brought to you by Good Fight Ministries. If you're blessed by this show and would like to partner with us, please consider visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com goodfight. Or you can write to us at P.O. Box 2202, Simi Valley, California, 93062. Or call us toll-free at 1-866-JC-TRUTH. That's 1-866-528-7884. We hope you'll tune in next time on the Good Fight Radio Show.